This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Dr. Homebrew is brought to you by Five Star Chemicals, providing safety and cleaning supplies for brewing, distilling, and winemaking at fivestarchemicals.com. Dr. Love. Stand aside, nurse. I'm Dr. Homebrew. All right, welcome everybody to another edition of Dr. Homebrew. How's everybody doing out there in beer radio land? My name is Jason J.P. Petros, and I am your host for this brand new show, brand spanking new. Well, you know, as of last month, I suppose. Uh, This is Dr. Homebrew, where we judge your beers live right in front of your faces, and you get to ask us questions about how to make it better. Uh, Now, of course, I don't know anything about beer. I barely even know what I'm doing right now. So I have my two very close personal friends, Brian Cooper and Lee Shepard, with me in the studio. How you guys doing? Hey, good. <clears throat> Excuse me. See, I already forgot to hit the cough button. I'm a loser. Uh, so you guys are, uh, forgive me, because uh, I'm pretty stupid and I never remember anything. Uh, BJCP National Judges, correct? Master. Master. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, both of us. See, I just insulted both of my, my <laughs> guests, my We're leaving here. Master. What does that entail? A lot of beer. And being good at taking exams. Yeah, you have to write. You have to have pretty good handwriting, I suppose, right? Um, well, you have to write a lot, yeah. and your hand has to endure. I can never do that. I don't know how people can do that. Right? Out of high school, you know, you're, you're doing your finals, and you're, you're writing, and you're writing, and you're writing. Like, oh, that's the worst pain ever, because you're, you know, 17 or 18. And then you don't really write so much anymore. All we do is type now as, as, as grown people mm-hmm. in the world. And then you have to go back to writing again. Marathon yeah. writing for 10, 15 minutes at a time. Yeah, this is the main actual handwriting I do. Just think how much easier all those high school exams would have been if you had a glass of beer in front of you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Probably would have done better if I didn't have a glass of beer in front of me. Oh, I, had, I had a friend who actually who went to school in England, and he said it was actually still on the books, a rule that if a noble rolled up on a horse to an exam, they were obliged to provide him with a pint of ale. <laughs> wow. It was in the law. Wow. <laughs> That's a good law. We need a law like that. If someone walks in on two feet, we are all obliged to stop working and have a beer with that person. Anyway, this is Dr. Homebrew, and again, the purpose of the show, um, I like to call it an interactive BJCP score sheet, where you can come in, you, you give us your beer. If you're a local person, you can come in. If, if not, you can fly in, whatever you want to do. Um, and uh, we'll taste your beer. You know, We score it right here, and uh, then we go over it with you. We interview you, the homebrewer, because really that's what people want to know also is is how other people are homebrewing, what's what's going on uh, out in the homebrewing world. So, um, And then we give you feedback. Well, mainly Brian and Lee do, and I just kind of sit and uh, ask dumb questions. And then you get to ask the guys questions, too. You know, what do you mean by this comment? Uh, how can I make this better? What about these hops? What about this? Um, so you get a little feedback time, which, which I think is pretty important, especially for brewing beer. So tonight we're doing two beers. We have a Pilsner. And the other is a spiced American cream ale, mm. which I've never really heard of before, but uh, I'm kind of excited to try it. Seems pretty unique. So uh, we're going to be cramming those beers and uh, talking to the brewers. And uh, of course, none of this could be possible without our sponsor, brand new sponsor for us at the Brewing Network, Five Star Chemical Supply. I love Five Star. You guys use Five Star, right? I mean, you're home brewers. Oh, yes. Yeah. All the time. 
I don't know who doesn't use five star. Uh, you know, I, I actually use pretty much their whole lineup. I do the five two to adjust my mash. I use PBW beforehand to make sure I don't have any contamination issues. I use star sand throughout the whole thing. And uh, I'm just always blown away every time. Every time I uh, leave my conical very dirty, I only do a hot water rinse because I'm a slob. And, um, you know, right before I uh, right before I transfer in, I give it a good soak for 25, 30 minutes in, in uh, PBW, and that thing is clean as a whistle, man. I'm embarrassed how long it took me to discover PBW. Really? It was like, you know, probably... A, you know a good year or so of brewing before oh, i realized no. you know just um well i wasn't using soap or anything i was just using hot water and i just like would you know just clean everything right away and try to get everything right off of there but it's so hard to get all that last residue off and you you know a little bit of that and you just yeah super easy cool yeah it's it's very simple i i, I um i just shoot everything with water right after i'm done after it's in the conical clean everything with water and then beforehand uh when i start brewing i'll make a batch of pbw hot water in my boil kettle hook up all my hosing and just resort that thing for 25 30 minutes yeah and uh you'd be surprised well maybe you probably wouldn't be surprised because you guys know what i'm talking about but there's just the that gunk that flies out of that thing sometimes is actually kind of disgusting it's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. a good thing it's all hot uh, it, it's all pre-boil stuff so anyway five star chemicals go ahead and check them out if you haven't heard about them they will definitely change the way that you brew so uh, we're up against a break here on Dr. Homer, and then when we come back, we're going to have Nick come in with his Pilsner, and um, yeah, we'll check it out. Hopefully we can, uh, we can give that guy you know a little help. Uh, this is Dr. Homebrew. Stick with us. Do you know the three most important rules in brewing? Sanitation, sanitation, and sanitation. And no one does it better than Five Star Chemicals. Five Star knows sanitation. You can only sanitize clean equipment. And Five Star knows how to clean, too. For craft brewers and home brewers, Five Star has what you need to keep your fermenters, serving tanks, kegs and draft lines sparkling and free of any beer-spoiling bacteria. PBW. Caustic, acid cleaners, star sand, Santa Clean, lubricants and defoamers, pH stabilizers, and more. Five Star Chemicals has cleaning supplies, safety supplies, heat exchangers, pumps, hoses, and valves. And Five Star is proud to offer eco-friendly products that exceed customer expectations. If you have a cleaning problem, you need the Five Star Solution. Visit FiveStarChemicals.com or call 800-782-7019. 800-782-7019. 7019 and get the five star treatment today. Dr. Homebrew, please report to the ER for code blue. Dr. Homebrew to the ER, please. No, and your tea time has been moved to 2 30. Now back to Dr. Homebrew. around the studio i have no room to put anything i have four monitors three keyboards two sound boards a call screen nonsense and a laptop because i'm too dumb to email myself the things i need off of my laptop whatever peter dink is in the uh in the studio with us Hello. good friend peter munoz right yep am i saying that right you're saying that pretty close. All right. And he just uh, gave me another, another thing to worry about, which is he doesn't like being called Pete. Unless it's immediately followed by Da Dink. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, got to keep them both. So uh, on top of the other things that are going on today, I got to remember Pete, Peter. Thank you. <laughs> Good to have you, man. Oh, thank you. All right, with us are the, the brewers of this uh, Pilsner that we had, uh, Nick and Michael, right? Yep. How you guys doing? Doing good. You're running well, the mic. There you hi, go. guys. How's it going? Very well. For some reason, I want to call you Ryan the whole time, Nick. <laughs> you, you can do that if you I, want to. Can I? Yeah. You it can. might be better for me if I can do that. Knock yourself out. I think you look like this guy that is on my Facebook feed all the time from Australia named Ryan, and he just looks exactly like you, and then I'm going, oh, yeah, it's, it's Ryan. No, it's not. Idiot. Anyway, uh, so you guys came all the way from lovely Davis, California. Davis and Folsom. Davis and Folsom. Yeah, Mike and I both went yeah. to UC Davis, so we stayed there, but uh, we work over in the Folsom Rancho Cadore, so Michael's actually over there in Folsom. Oh, that's nice. It's not too far away. Are a couple you Greenbelt guys? Yep, I am. Right on. Nice work. Greenbelt is a uh, homebrew club? Yep. Oh, boy. So how long have you guys been brewing? 
Uh, about three and a half years. We started in uh, October of '09. October 9, together at the same time? Or, yeah. yeah, yeah, it was uh, kind of, we both finished grad school, started work uh, about the same time, same place, and uh, got into homebrewing. Uh, one of our co-worker gave us a bunch of leftover equipment, so. Oh, that's good. Kicked it off. Free stuff is always good stuff. And you guys do an extract or all grain? Uh, we started out extract, did about 15, 18 batches extract, and then switched over to all grain a couple years ago, so we've done about, I think we actually just hit our approximately 50th batch, so about a little over half that in all grain, the rest has been extract. Cool. Sounds great. And so you guys have brewed this uh, Pilsner, right? The Bohemian Pilsner? Yep, Bohemian Pilsner. Tell us a little bit about that. So uh, we started foraying into lagers last year. We did a couple darker lagers, Vienna lager, um, a Schwartz beer, and uh, something else. And uh, they came out okay, but they weren't great. And this year we decided we'd try and foray into the light lagers. So we did a uh, Bohemian Pilsner, and we followed it up with a classic American Pilsner. So uh, we did this back in uh, January, first lager of the year when it's cold. Uh, we uh, often brew out of uh, brewing classic style, so okay. this was a Juno uh, recipe. Follow it to the T as much as we can. So yeah, and a boy. And if you don't have it, you can. It's available in the Brewing Network store. Whatever. Um, I just totally farted. I totally brain farted right now. Uh, what do you want to get out of this this show? So you sent us the beer. Um, is it there's some flavors that you don't understand, or, or you just kind of want to? Yeah, I mean, we've always had pretty good success with our ales. Um, I don't, I don't think we're you know amazing home brewers, but everyone seems to like our ales. We like our ales. Uh, but you know, when we did our lagers last year, I definitely didn't understand how to do a diastole rest correctly. Um, we learned. We did three kind of back to back, and I think by the third one, we had started getting it right. Uh, but we definitely detected too much diastole. We did a Bach. That was the one I was forgetting. That was okay. Most people's favorite beer of ours, but it sucked ass. Uh, <laughs> really? What was wrong with it? <laughs> it? It just had a ton of diastole in it. We tried doing the Croissant and that cut down some of it. But at least our palates, I was tasting just a ton of diastole, hmm. which again, a lot of you know, uh, immature palates loved because it had that kind of you know sweeter character to it. And stuff like oh, that. it's so good though. Yeah, exactly. I, I think that was probably one of the, the favorites we've ever done, but it was our least favorite and <laughs> took like a year to get rid of. <laughs> I love the way this tastes. Oh, you want some more? No. No, but, I don't. So uh, I figured, you know, I did some more research about how to properly do a diastole since I thought that was our problem and we decided we wanted to try doing the, the lighter lagers this year, so that's why we decided to do the Pilsners. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I, I think I did everything correctly in order to come out with the great beer when I, we first smelled it and tried it, you know, it seemed to be kind of, you know, I thought what we were looking for, but then, you know, it's only, it's been lagering, I think it's about eight weeks now, and it's just, it's not exactly what I was looking for, and I'm not an expert enough to the style to know exactly what I should be looking for, but I know it's not what I want, and so I want to know whether it's a style issue, or okay. if there's a process issue, and again, we brewed this back-to-back and used the same yeast with the classic American Pilsner, and so that, that was kind of when we tried to see, you know, okay, there's similar flavors in this. Is this a yeast thing that I'm tasting that I don't like? You know, what's, is there something off? You know, what's what's the deal with it? Okay. So just in general, I think yeah. you can help me out with that, guys, right? Sure. Should be able to. Yeah. All right, Brian, what do you think? Uh, start off with you and your, uh, your your take on this beer. Uh, well, I think it's, uh, you know, the there's not a lot to hide behind in a beer like this. Uh, you know, Bohemian uh, uh, Pills is just, uh, you know, a very... You know, light beer with a fair, you know fair amount of noble hops in it, and uh, you know, lagered. So if if there's any flaws, they're going to stick out like a sore thumb here. You know, um, I think uh, you know the key to a beer like this would be using the uh, you know the classic uh, Moravian malted barley. But uh, you know, the the grain character in this one was uh, you know pretty clean, kind of grainy, um, a little like kind of light cracker like, almost a little. Um, you know, not not that the malt should be intensely characterful, but it it should have that kind of um, you know Czech malt kind of you know base malt kind of thing, the Pils malt uh, character, and it's it's a little kind of light and um, you know not bland or anything, but it's it's clean and uh, and pleasant. Uh, you know the, the the hop, which I I like to look for a little you know spicy uh, sauce hop in there and. Um, kind of low spicy and floral hop in there but it was a little subdued and um there's a hint of dms which is okay in a beer like this um you know the esters seem to be in check to me uh it looks nice nice and clear um in the flavor it was it's it's fairly there's there was a fairly prominent bitterness which you know it, it does it should have a fair amount of bitterness but with the uh, the water that's uh you know used to uh to brew this classically it's it should be very very you know low ion content water 
And could I ask you guys what you used, what you did with your water? Or? So we live in Davis, so we don't use Davis water. Yeah. <laughs> um, we use all RO water uh, okay. that we purchase locally, and then I usually add stuff back to it based on any research and stuff I can do. I, I mean, I use Gordon Strong, Strong's book and other people to find out. So this was just all RO water, and then I added uh, seven grams of calcium chloride. And I think that was something I, you know found on a form or something like that when someone was mm-hmm. suggesting what to add back to get to some of the character you would look for so yeah um you know sometimes building the water back can be one aspect and you might miss you know if you're just starting with pure ro water you might you know there's a lot of micronutrients and things in the water that are naturally present where if you're not using at least you know some real kind of filtered water um you might miss something that should be there but sure. uh you know you can try to dial in water perfectly based on what what it should be in a book and and still not quite get there you, you don't you know you don't have you have water analysis sheets probably you know and and know what it where it should land but you're not probably knowing exactly where this water was uh, but yeah it's um you know i think i i i get kind of a little minerally thing in there too with that and i think it's kind of um combating with the with the uh, the bittering hop in there and coming across a little harsh and the hop flavor is I mean not not when I say harsh I don't mean like annoying or really bad it's just um, it kind of covers up some of the hop flavor that I want to come through a little more but you know it's a cleanly brewed lager really pleasant beer um, what did you think about it Lee um, it's a pretty decent beer I kind of agree with a lot of what you said um, fairly decent malt character in here no basic pills malt kind of flavor. Um, the hops, I thought, I thought for, um, for the, the bittering hops, I actually would almost have wanted a little bit more. We disagreed a bit on that. I thought I could use maybe a little more, but they were a little bit in the rough side. So I don't know if is that something with the hops or the flavor wasn't quite, quite perfect on those, but it seemed to leaves a little bit of a lingering rough hop flavor, but the bittering isn't there because it balances a little bit much to the sweet. And it could probably use a little bit more hop aroma in the nose, too. Um, the ferment character was was pretty good. Um, I was debating where I was picking up a whisper of some kind of ester, but I'm not really sure I was. I was definitely getting a, a, a bit of diacetyl in here, which, I mean, for this style, it's okay to have a little bit. So, I mean, after all your discussions on getting rid of diacetyl, you've got the style here where it's okay to have a little bit for a lager. Um, and it's probably, I would say it's within that range. Wouldn't hurt to get rid of it, but it's okay as it is. Wasn't sure if maybe there was a little bit of DMS in there. Again, it was kind of thresholdy for me, um, it, so it's a little bit hard to tell, really. Um, the body on this is pretty nice. It had some nice creaminess to it. Um, the head looked very nice when you poured it, but it went away kind of fast, so it doesn't linger very long. I was curious, how did you guys do the mash on this? So this was actually uh, our first time ever doing uh, decoction. Uh, we didn't because this was our first time doing it. We didn't kind of dive in right at the beginning with this. We did kind of did our standard single infusion. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Jamil says a shoot for one fifty four. We do have just a, a cooler that we do our mash in. Um, I think we hit about one fifty three, so we're kind of in the range we we're looking for. But then uh, we mash for an hour, and then I think right at the hour we pulled off like three point two gallons, did a decoction just to bring it to a mash out. Because um, I, again, I know I reading about the style. I knew you're supposed to do a decoction, but because we had never done a full one before, I wasn't confident we'd be able to do steps and other stuff. So we just used it to to mash out. So mash why out. why three point two gallons? Why not three point one? Well, you know, because no, <laughs> <laughs> um, and that was was just, that calculated. That, that was Beersmith, wonder, a wonderful sponsor of other programs. So oh, okay. that was the calculated amount to get it to raise it up from one fifty three, one fifty four up to one seventy. So that was why nice. it was three point two. How'd that work out? Uh, pretty good. I think it worked out pretty well. I think I don't think we got quite up to 170. Probably got up to 168. But yeah. that's pretty probably close. okay. Was this like a thick part of the mash or thin part? Uh, I'm trying to remember. I think it was a thinner part of the mash. Okay, if I remember good, correctly. Yeah. They said you know they, for this part they said you know you don't want to like you know do it too much over the top. And so I, I'm pretty sure at that point in time I was just kind of scooping right off the top of the cooler. Right. They didn't really want to disturb everything. Right. Too that's much, good because so. you don't want to like boil up the grains and and release some starch granules that aren't there and put them back in while you're mashing out or the starch is going to be there forever. Yeah, and that, that was the thing. There's a 3.2 gallons and it was boiling it, so that's why I wanted it thin. I didn't want to sit there right. and, you know, stoke that yeah. stuff too much. Yeah, no, decoctions are great in these beers. They can really bring out the malt flavor a lot more than you would otherwise, given that it's such a basic, simple malt profile in these things. It really can help the flavor a lot. Well, I figure it was low risk just trying to hit a mash out because we don't normally do a mash out with our process, and so mm-hmm. this was one, you know, okay. We'd miss it, whatever, you know. Okay. <laughs> but yeah. it was at least to try the process. You also yeah. managed to keep it nice and light, too. I mean, you could, you know, 
get a little color, get a little some Maillard reactions going on in there and, and darken it a bit. But it's still this nice light straw color, kind of kind of medium straw and you know delicate white head. So yeah. Uh, Pete, what? Uh, see, um, I did it. I keep doing it now. Yeah. I'm not supposed I'll, to. Do I'll it. let it go. Thank you. Um, actually, yeah, like you're saying, the bitterness was I thought kind of harsh at first. Of course, just walking straight into it, yeah. Not really, even knowing what the style was, it's also the first beer of the night too, yeah. which can be kind of the first beer is first always the hardest beer, right. to judge, I think. Um, <laughs> and we say kind of harsh, just really not that harsh no, at no, all. There's not. just a little edge of it, though. And it like was, Brian said, there's just so nowhere to hide in this kind yeah, of beer. Yeah, but just, that was that there. was the first thing that I picked up, and then but underneath that, yeah, it was really clean malt. Um, and I thinking back to some of the times I've judged. One of the judges mentioned he uh, a mineral flavor that he always got when he was tasting lagers, and um, it's really light. I, I get more the the gypsum that you used, but nothing else. So maybe that might help build in some body to um, you know bring that maltiness through. It's just you know just a little thought. Was it gypsum or was it calcium chloride? Sorry, I forgot. Uh, Calcium chloride. Calcium chloride, yes. Seven grams of calcium chloride. Now that can accent the sweetness a little bit too. And uh, Lee was picking up some kind of sweetness in the malt. I'm getting, I'm getting that kind of uh, sweetness accented. So, yeah, I definitely get that yeah. as well. And like I do back. get that little bit of, little bit of diacetyl, but it's really not offensive at all. I also feel just a slight warmth in my in the yeah, chest, like not warming. like alcohol warmth, but like a, maybe a touch of light, light solvent going on, but. What's the know. top end on the alcohol in this style? I don't uh, it goes up to five point five. Uh, five. Yeah, yeah, I think we're slightly out. Uh, we're efficiency as we're kind of honing our process. I think our efficiency is climbing up a little bit higher. We usually in beer smith, I usually plug it in seventy seventy two percent. I think we hit about seventy five seventy six. So we uh, we were about six points high on our original gravity and fermented down to where we were supposed to. I think maybe at one point below with that slightly lower mash temperature. So mm-hmm. I think our alcohol was. Probably at just over six. So, right. and not that you're going to be picking up alcohol character from that, but I, I right. think this is probably slightly out of style potentially. So, so pills in half. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you, right. guys are, you guys are all over the technical side of this. I mean, uh, actually, is this here, the first so. time you've you've done a decoction? Yeah, yeah. This is yeah. our very first yeah. decoction. No, I mean, for like a first time doing a decoction beer with a you no know, for a pilsner with this yeast and doing lagering. I mean, that's well, a few times lagering. I guess that's this is pretty good actually. It's yeah. a good start. Now, don't you break down the proteins when you? Uh, using a like a non-Movarian malt, um, it would well, and that would cause the your head to drop. It might. Um, it didn't sound like you guys did a protein rest on this mm-hmm. at all. No. Okay. And did you what kind of malt? What malt vendor do you use? Or what kind of um, malt? I have down here. I think it's Brees, but Brees. So it's not sure the Moravian stuff. No, so you I wouldn't need a head rest on this yeah. in particular. No. If yeah. you ever get that stuff, they the um, Wireman does sell an under modified. Correct. Pills yeah. malt or parsley under modified, you probably would want to do a decoction with a headrest sure. on that. Yeah, no, we, we're almost always strictly single infusion. So, all right. All right. That, uh, wow. You guys, uh, I, yeah, I, I was thinking that too when, when you guys were talking about your, your process. It's like, damn, these guys know what they're doing. Yeah, I was surprised. They have everything kind of. What I sent you. <laughs> we're, we're both engineers, so we kind of take things oh, a little we'll bit see, too far. See that, yeah. Oh, well, now I'm not yeah. so impressed. Yeah. Figure you guys are just really into beer, but now it turns out you're just big nerds over yeah, all around. Exactly. Engineers make right. great beer, yeah. yeah. So, so, JP, how are you going to tell them to fix their beer? <laughs> I'm going to ask uh, Brian. No. Uh, so, what can we tell these guys uh, how to kind of uh, you know fix their beer? Um, it doesn't really need a lot of fixing. It doesn't, right? It's no. pretty. It's pretty much there. But you were talking, uh, Lee. I think you said you pointed out they didn't do a protein rest. Would that be something that they they can do? And 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 if so, what would that no, I'm not no. not using what you did. I mean, if, since you're not using under-modified malt, and since the head was probably a little bit on the low-retention side, I would not do a protein rest for this. At least you know, if you want to go and get the under-modified malt and try it there, that, that might be worth doing someday. But exactly. um, I wouldn't add it into this beer. Hmm. Um, mostly, I don't know. I mean, maybe look at your hop-to-malt hop balance a bit, your bittering rates, um, quality of the hops. We'll just stick um, that back on Jamil, though. Yeah, that's right. What it says. I would. You can yeah. blame him. Yeah. Well. yeah, that's what I would do. <laughs> He's yeah. a big guy. He can take it. 
It's a fresh um, bag of hops, you know, so it's yeah. got to be his fault. <laughs> yeah, and if the diacetyl bothers you, I mean, it's probably okay for this style of beer, but if it bothers you, maybe add a few more degrees or another day or two to a diacetyl rest at the end of your ferment. Well, I guess that's what concerns me because I, I, that was Make sure problem. the yeast is roused and in solution when you do it. Yeah, I, again, that's I was like super paranoid about it on this one because this is our first time doing it after we had our, you know, issues with the, the darker ones, and so I paid, you know, specific attention to it. And uh, again, we had done 50 degrees for five days. I started bumping up over the next couple of days, 52, 55, and then eight days. One of the things I had read on the on the, the research I was doing was that when you have about a plate to go until you, you reach your final gravity, that's when you want to start ramping up like you know more aggressively. And so I, I took a gravity sample, and we were at about 10.17. I think we were supposed to go down to 14, 15. And so that's when I started bumping up to 62 and then, you know, 68, I think, at nine days and held it at 68 at, um, for two days before it just slowly start cooling it. And, and so that's that's the process I was hoping that would get rid of any diacetyl. And so we obviously still have it in it and it's acceptable for this style. But my concern would be if I took that same process and went back and did our Bach, you know, that I would probably never do again because that experience was so horrible. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like everyone loved it, man. What I you, know, but at about? the same time, we hated it. That's so. yeah. a challenge. Make it better. Actually, you might get better results there because the other thing to keep in mind is this strain of yeast. If you, did you use the Czech Pils yeast? No, we used the, this one's the Pilsner account, and obviously yeah. on the other ones we didn't yeah. use that. Yeah, so, this, I mean. this yeast just pumps out diacetyl. Okay. It's so it's going to be harder to get rid of. Okay. It makes more of it. So maybe so, if I did that same regime with the yeast that we used You might the bottom, not have a problem with okay. a different yeast, yeah. So it sounds like a lot of it is uh, is kind of just recipe and not not so much fermentation. It's just to clean up the dash a little bit, but even if they didn't do that and kind of a little of both, tweak yeah. the recipe out, you yeah. think you'd knock a home run out of this one? Yeah, they've got the the process down, and I think you know the diastole rest as you described it sounds like you're you're doing the right thing. Um, I'm not getting a lot of diastole in this beer. You know, um, the other there was a little DMS, but it seems like the yeast cleaned up what it needed to clean up fairly well. Um, the main thing I would say is um, I, I would personally look at the water and look at the malt that you're using and, you know, uh, find a, a, a Czech pill malt, find a Moravian malted barley and just, you know, start there. It's it's amazing what you what you can do with a, the right malts in a German in a German beer using the, the real German pills malt and, you know, uh, Munich malt instead of like an American Munich malt. For, you know, it's so much different. And uh you can't just yeah. use two row for everything. No, I mean, no? yeah. <laughs> you can start out doing it that way and, and make, get close, but if you really want to fine-tune and get to the, the, the essence of that beer, you need to really use, pay attention to the ingredients even more than you already are. So, um, And you know, maybe, maybe bring the same thing, trying to hit your gravity uh, right on this time now that you're dialing in your efficiency and know where you're hitting uh, a little better. Uh, try to do that and and maybe switch up the water a little bit and try a blend of uh, you know filtered filtered water with a bunch of distilled water or RO so uh, and with, without messing with too many salt additions maybe you know it just needs to be pretty low in ions overall to make a good uh, good check pills. One thing I wanted to know is how, how did you guys get that so clear? I mean, this is brilliantly clear. Refrigeration. Really? You know, no. Once we once we switched from extract to all grain, we stopped finding. I used to use gelatin in yeah. extract mm-hmm. beers, and the second we switched to kegging, uh, I I bought a keg grater, and Michael built a one out of a freezer. Uh, all we do is throw the kegs in the in the in the fridge and let them sit. We don't rack to secondary, do any of that kind of BS. It's just mm-hmm. time and temperature. It's yeah, a pretty beer. Lagering will do that. Yeah. Now, if you shake the keg, then then <laughs> that's a different story. <laughs> yeah, that's a different story. Right. So I probably don't travel well, but you know, how long did you logger? Uh, we're at about eight weeks now. I, I mean, I, and Jamil's he said to do it for four weeks, so I, I tapped it probably out four weeks and tried it. Uh, but now again, I was looking at it yesterday. And I think the, this week would be eight weeks. So. Yeah, oh, cool. cool. It might continue to smooth out a little more as it sure. as it's going. every time I try it, it changes a little bit. Again, I thought I was picking up diacetyl, but again, my palate is you know still you know in training, and so. As some of the sweetness you're talking about from other things, maybe what I'm tasting actually, it's not necessarily diastole. I, I think maybe I'm just overly paranoid, and so I'm attributing it to a diastole because that's what I got out of the uh, other beers, and so there's less than it really is. So. Right? Did you do like also the full 90 minute kind of boil on this? Yeah, thing? this was the 90 minute boil. Okay, that should have gotten rid of any DMS, and we were, we were wondering if we get a little bit in there, but that that really should get. Yeah, it was get a 90 minute boil, too. and then I was looking at my at my notes, and uh, we whirlpooled after the boil for like. 20 minutes, which I wasn't sure why we would have done. We had a zero-minute addition. We'd often whirlpool if we have a zero-minute addition doing a pale ale or something like that right. to get that kind of extra contribution. 
Um, my only thought was like we forgot to like you know start the pump at 15 minutes like we normally do, and so we ran it a little longer to sanitize the pump or something like that. And then we chilled down to 58 and 30 minutes, and so I I would have thought all that would have been cracked. And we don't we don't boil with the lid on or anything like that. So. Yeah, right. right. Yeah, the whirlpool is going to do something to the hop flavor, so you can experiment with that too. Maybe you know start it right on time and just do your normal uh, regimen at that time and and see what happens. Yeah, but good beer. Yeah, excellent Very beer, good. guys. Thanks. Uh, do you guys have any questions for uh, our fabulous panel of judges today? I think I asked most of mine. Michael, do you have okay. any additional I'm ones? good. No, you're good? Cool. Okay. All right. Cool, guys. Well, thanks for making the drive out, and uh, thanks for bringing the beer. It was really good. Yeah, I really appreciate the feedback. It kind of, you know, uh, gets rid of some of our, you know, misconceived notions, I think, about diacetyl and other stuff, and gives us hope to continue doing the, the lagers and maybe go back and try that that Bach. I think you one should. One more yeah. time. Yeah. yeah. We yeah. might Why be not? back with it. When are you going to brew that <laughs> Bring us some, yes. beer? <laughs> that was real good. <laughs> okay, Grandpa, that's fine. All right, well, uh, we are up against a break, and when we come back, we're going to meet Christine and try her spiced American cream ale. It is Dr. Homebrew, back after this. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey, dude, you know what beer this is? Oh, uh, no, all the labels are falling off. Yeah, or the ink is run. Well, if it's the pale ale, you're good, but stay away from the quote-unquote Belgian. Oh, man, this guy needs to get some grog tags. Grog tags are reusable, write-on, wipe-off, commercial-grade bottle labels for your brew. The guys at Grog Tag are homebrewers. They wanted great-looking, sturdy labels for your bottles, buckets, carboys, kegs, and growlers. They also wanted a label that not only looks good, but can be easily removed and reapplied during bottling without that nasty glue residue being left behind. No residue, water-resistant, and ice chest approved. Grog Tags stay on in water or an ice chest, and they stay legible. Visit grogtag.com to cut Customize your label or coaster from dozens of different templates for free and see how awesome your bottles can look. Ugh, it's that pseudo-Belgian. Yeah, we're getting him some Grog Tags, dude. Grog Tag. At least your beer will look good. GrogTag.com Now, back to the examination. Welcome back. It's Dr. Homebrew. Dr. Homebrew. I like the sound of my own voice sometimes. In case you can't tell. That's why I have my own stupid radio show. Uh, we are back and we're hanging out with our next guest, Christine. Christine, sign in, please. Greetings. Oh, that go. And so you brought with us, or you brought uh, for us, a spiced American cream ale. Tell me a little bit about this beer. Yep, it's a cardamom cream ale. Um, I wanted to make a nice, pale, summer, quaffable, drinkable beer, but I didn't want it to be boring. Okay. And for some reason, the phrase cardamom cream just kind of popped in my head, and I'm like, I'd been eating a lot of Indian food at the time, too, as well. Uh, so I think that was part of the uh, inspiration. Well, I'll tell you, uh, a cardamom cream ale is definitely not a boring-sounding Beer, that's for sure. No. That is very interesting. How long have you been homebrewing? About 13 years, off oh, wow. and on. Well, nice. Have you ever tackled anything like this before? No, this is actually the first attempt I've made at coming up with my own original recipe. I've usually just used recipes I've found online or in books, um, going by, you know, rote. And uh, so this is my first attempt at breaking outside of that. Nice. Nice. That's awesome. Uh, extract or all grain? I do both. This mm-hmm. is an extract because okay. I work a lot, and sometimes it's hard to find that whole day to devote to all grain. Yeah. Extract you can do after work at night. That's true. That. Yeah, a couple, three, four hours. Mm-hmm. A couple, three hours. You're done. Uh, all right, guys, let's jump into this beer. Peter, what do you think? Start off with Peter. Um, cream ale is a very interesting style because it's not really, I guess, it is defined, but it's kind of loose. Uh, sort of like a Blondale, you know, can 
and uh, to me, it had a really interesting aroma. It had the um, the spice. It definitely like to me, it had like a little wintergreen rosemary. Mm-hmm. But uh, and that was pleasant. But then when I got into the flavor, um, I've done cardamom beers, and I don't like it. Uh, only because it, and and this one, it's it's pretty intense. Uh, if it was maybe a little bit lo- lower, that'd be great. Uh, it had a really low maltiness, which was which acceptable. It was really clean, and um, you know, other than that, yeah, nice body to it. <coughs> good, in, good. In your beer, you you totally overdid it, right? I I yeah. really <laughs> overdid it. Yeah, and it took a long time for it to. Actually, I don't think it ever got better. <laughs> Plus, took you a long yeah. time to eat Indian food again. Um, that matter. Yeah, I don't eat Indian food. That's why. <laughs> See, that's my <laughs> and point. That's, yeah, <laughs> Lee, what do you think? It's all about the cardamom. That's for sure. Um, I think the base beer is pretty good. The cream ale, it's light. It's got um, you know, a little bit of a nice frothy head on it, and it um, is not bitter too much, which is what kind of what you want with cream ale. After that, it becomes sort of a matter of philosophy. If you like a specialty spice beer like this to just knock you over with spice, well, this is this it. is doing it, yes. It's not like, I don't find it unpleasant myself. Actually, I'm kind of liking it, but it's probably too strong. I don't know that I'd you know, order a second pint, but I get through one. Um, typically, when people are doing designs or ideas on how to make a beer like this, they'll tell you, try and balance the specialty ingredient with the base beer so they come out complementing each other, maybe about even, or maybe one displaying something a little more. It depends on the style of beer. You know, you're doing a chocolate porter, you want the chocolate to come through, but it's not going to be all about the chocolate. Um, for a spice beer like this, it's a tough balancing act because a lot of spices can be very pungent in mm-hmm. small quantities, and you're boiling them up in a kettle with some beer, with some beer wort, um, and they can get over the top pretty easily. I've had, like, clove beers that were just not, not really very good. Um, but it's a very complex, interesting spice. And for me, I think even at this intensity, it's actually kind of nice. Again, I don't know that I want five gallons of it, but it's really interesting beer, and I'm kind of enjoying it for what it is. So I, I think it's decent stuff. But you might want to consider the question of balance. And, and that's maybe the question I'd have, have, I would have for you on this is, how did you decide how much cardamom to put in and how to handle it? I basically put in... One ounce, figuring that would be as little as I would want to go. Because I was looking at it, I'm like, that's not really a lot. I don't, I don't really know. Maybe I should use some more. Did you use the the whole pods? The whole pods, yeah. <coughs> I put them at the end of the boil. Okay. Yep. The one ounce is based on like how it looked in your hand. That's about <laughs> right. Much, yeah, and, yeah I, I, there's, there's there's probably some sort of research out there. Some people online who've done this, you could check up with. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or probably the best thing to do is calibrate this to your palate. How do you like the cardamom flavor in here? Do you, is it what you wanted? Is it too much? Is it too little? When I first, and it's just that one ounce to that. When I first opened the first bottle, uh, it was too much. And I was like, oh, hmm. I don't know. And then the more I drank it, the more I was like, oh, no, this is okay. And now I think it's because it's been in bottle for like maybe three months now, It's the spices mellowed a bit. Um, so I think right about now is kind of where I like it personally. Mm-hmm. So good. it's um, mellowing out, and you're growing into it. Yeah, becoming a member of the family. Yes, <laughs> yeah, okay. cardamom family. Right. Uh, have you cooked with cardamom before? I have. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. Because uh, you know that that might be a good if if, if you if you are not used to a spice using mm-hmm. it in other things using it in beer you're probably going to overdo it. Right. But um, yeah, I, I I really enjoy the beer too. I, I think like Lee said, it's it's it is refreshing and it is quite enjoyable. Thank you. Um, I do get a lot of the the wintergreen and 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 kind of the rosemary. No time as well. Yeah. yeah. Right. Mr. Cooper. Oh, hey. Um, yeah, definitely the spice is, is very upfront on this one. It's uh you know, I'm having a little more difficulty picking through to the base style on it. Um and when I think of cream ale, I think of you know, the best way it was ever explained to me is kinda like an ale version of Budweiser, which you know, well, I was chatting with Kevin Pratt one day and he just, you know, that just cleared up that beer for me because you you can read the guidelines. Well, um, it probably says that too, but um, anyway, yeah, it's <laughs> it's it's. Um, I, I expected something a little lighter, a little clearer, and a little more refreshing with uh, the spice balance. And uh, my personal judging approach would be kind of as Lee was starting to say, uh, you know, looking for that uh, the base style and and you know the spice to be in kind of in balance with each other. 
and I feel like the the spice is just walloping it and it, it might be keeping you know continuing to mellow out but um you know it's the one thing i liked too in the aroma though was uh there's kind of a nice little um apricot fruity ester in there that's with the cardamom is kind of cool it's it's got the kind of spicy sweet thing going on with it and it's got kind of a sweet finish uh we got kind of a hazy golden color and i'm not sure if, you know if that's coming from the spice it's a little on the dark side for this for the style but that's fine it's you know um you could find ways to clear it clear it up uh you know crash chill it or see what happens there but uh yeah it's um i was thinking i felt like i was getting um you know some other phenolics in there too like maybe even a little kind of clove like or slight medicinal in there but um you know finish the sweet uh you know uh kind of phenolic spiciness in the aftertaste it's getting a little bit of um astringency in the mouthfeel from the from the spice mm-hmm. and it's you know it's hard not to do that when you we go with such a heavily uh, spiced beer you get a little bit of that kind of like chewing on grape skins thing in your mouth uh from the spice and um but yeah i i liked it it's a it's a pretty good beer it's it almost yeah i mean the base style it, you could call it almost anything <laughs> you know anything kind of lighter like i mean well it's not extremely hoppy so you couldn't call it american pale but you know a blonde ale or a cream ale or you know something light like that and it's you know the base style is kind of just supporting that that spice it's just hiding underneath it a bit so uh but yeah i i, I was glad you told us how you added the spice because you might experiment with different ways to do that that would be the kind oh. of the, the feedback how else would you do that well uh adding it at the end of the boil is better than than boiling it for an hour and a half or something <laughs> right. um you're going to extract a lot harsher um more astringency than harsher flavors with that you know the the delicate spices uh out there will just be driven off some of the, the aromatics uh that you want to keep in there you could add it in secondary and you know start light and just wait till it gets to the right point that you want it uh you know brew that brew that cream ale over and over and over until you get that that classic you know ale version of budweiser that taste and clarity and everything and then add the spice in secondary and and experiment with it you know Till you get it just right, and then maybe even have some more of the base beer on hand in case you go a little. You know, it goes overboard fast with just an ounce, even. So yeah, sure, and, and then blend back, right? Blend it back, yeah. Make some spice and some unspice, and, and find your ratio that way. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's really a question of balance doing a spice beer like this. I mean, I kind of like it. Um, you obviously like it. I, honestly, I think if you put it into a competition, since it's really heavily balanced to the spice, you probably wouldn't do too well. Um, because a lot of judges in a comp would really be looking for getting a nice even balance in a beer where the the, the spicy character and some of the, the woody or phenolics that Brian was talking about aren't kind of riding over the beer too much. And I mean, it comes out pretty nice in this, but it, it's, it's not it's, it's balanced really heavily to the spice. Okay. So I don't know. Try it depends what you want. If you like it like this, just make it again, and it's and it's fine because you're going to drink it and you'll be happy. <laughs> that's that's the cool thing. Um, but if you want to try monkeying with it some, yeah, do a little research on how people have handled cardamom. Think about short sh- additions at the end of the boil, things like that, to try and decrease the the amount of the the woody characters you get. Most most of the the brown spices are kind of like that. If you boil them too much, they get a little harsh. Mm-hmm. You could also make a tincture and you know add it to some uh, some neutral vodka, and um, and then go to you know blending with uh, you know different different amounts of the beer until you get you know with with an eyedropper full and then scale it up to the full batch size with the exact amount that you think is appropriate with with yeah, the beer. That's a great idea. It seems like a lot of people have been doing that lately. Yeah, past couple of years, it's, it seems like the hot the hot thing to do now. Tinctures are cool, and you sound cool when you say it. I think. I used a tincture. Yeah. Oh, I'm doing a tincture. Oh my God! You must really be, you know, on. You must really know what you're doing. Well, you know, I have my t- various tinctures. So, uh, so we're we're all in agreement. I think that the, the issue is just there's too much spice. Yes. Is that what's going on? Is it hard to 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 find the base beer underneath that and 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 to get in, in, into the subtleties of that? Parts of it. Yeah, I yeah. would say I'm, so. But yeah, yeah. What are it's the a very hops? light beer style, so spice is going to dominate it easily. The, what are the what are the hops you use? Uh, Tetanang and Saz. Cool. Oh, okay. Uh, you could try it with another another malty beer style, like a, a double or something. You know, something else. Do a Belgian style with the the cardamom and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Or you know, but yeah, um, cool idea. Yeah, I think you're almost there for sure. Thanks. Maybe cut it down, but uh, yeah. Do you have any questions for um, for the the panel here? 
clarity. What can I do about that? Uh, I think I used a Wolf Lock tablet in this batch, but mm-hmm. I don't know what else can be done for making really crystal clear beers. Um, and are you bottling? I'm bottling. Yeah. And um, if you haven't transported it 30 miles from your house to get here, <laughs> is it still hazy? <laughs> I mean, it's not just that the, the sediment has risen up. Uh, it, it, it'd probably be a little bit clearer at my house. But okay. it's still hazy. Still a little bit hazy. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you can fine it with gelatin or biofine or something like that, gelatin. depending what okay. you like. Um, uh, biofine is pretty decent stuff. Gelatin, it, it depends on what the nature of the haze is, but different ones, those will work. Or you can just put it through a mechanical filter. Hmm. Um, but for that, you need to have a keg and some CO2 to right. push it through that yeah. usually. Um, and even so, bio, using biofine and gelatin, I mean, she's not going to be able to, to bottle condition that way yet? You'd have to do that in the fermenter. Have to do it in the fermenter, and yeah. then and then how do you bottle condition after that? You'd have to spike in some fresh yeast. Oh, okay. Yeah. You don't want to do yeah. that once you're carbonated. So yeah, I mean, in in secondary, you just let it sit in in secondary at you know lager temperatures for a while and let it let it clear naturally that way too. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what uh, our previous guests did with their beer, and it was pretty nice and clear. So they didn't use any anything extra. I don't know if they even used whirl flock or anything. Right. And it's possible, seeing as you, you boiled the cardamom for the full boil, it's possible. No, I put it in the end. Oh, at the end. Okay. Yeah. It's possible you might be getting something out of that, some more phenols yeah. that are that are exacerbating the haze mm-hmm. a bit. It's hard to say, really. Yeah. I don't know that much about brewing with cardamom. Yeah, um, it could be like some, some polyphenols combining yeah. with some, uh, you know, you know tannins and, and uh, proteins combining in there. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of speculating here. Yeah. Um, is, how big a batch did you do? Five gallons. Five gallons. Well, a whirl flock should have done it. Yeah, easily. Yeah. yeah, those are for 15 gallons, I think. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Um, yeah, some other findings later or filter it. Yep. All right. Anything else for the guys, Christine? I think that's it. Perfect. Cool. Thank you very much for your feedback. Thanks Thank for you. sharing. Yeah. yeah, thanks for coming in. That was awesome. Uh, well, I'll tell you what we're going to do, guys. We're going to take our very last break of the night, and then we're going to come back on and just do a quick little recap and um, get out of here. What do you think? Cool. All right. Stay tuned, everybody. See you on the other side. Hey guys, it's Push. June 26th, Wednesday, is the Brewing Network 8th anniversary party. And I'm supposed to uh, try to get you guys to show up and buy some tickets. And basically, if you don't come, you're kind of an idiot. If you're going to be at NHC, get yourself a ticket. Because this is sponsored by Northern Brewer and Midwest Home Brewing Supplies. And it's going to be huge. Justin may be a freaking moron, but he knows how to throw a party. So, show up. It's the 8th Annual Brewing Network Anniversary Party. I can't believe we've been doing this for eight years. But listen, it would mean a lot to me. If you go get yourself a couple tickets, show up, uh, and I'd love to meet you, shake your hand. We'll have a couple beers together and have a good time. It's going to be a blast. You never know what can happen. Last time I ended up with a freaking hop grenade tattooed to one of my legs. So uh, get your tickets today. Go to the thebrewingnetworkphilly.eventbrite.com and hook yourself up, and I'll see you there in Philly. Cheers, brothers um, and sisters. Was that awkward? Anyway, it'll be a lot of fun. See you there. All right, thanks for sticking with us, everybody. This is the final break in the Dr. Homebrew show, the brand new show, the hit show, the runaway steam train meteor combined. If you had a a train on a meteor and then you shot it around the sun and then had it come back around, it would be this show. Um, Just not as devastating, I imagine, or hard to put together. Totally as devastating, JP. It's on you, too. Devastating. I'm going to devastate it. Anyway, uh, this is our wrap-up segment where we just kind of go through the beers that we tried and um, just give a little recap and, and uh, you know, hopefully we can glean a little bit of um, homebrew information. So the first one we had was uh, from Nick. It was a Pilsner. Bo Pils, right? Bohemian Pilsner? Yep. What did we think of that? I remember it, uh, it was a very clean beer, um, but some of the notes were used kind of more the, the classic German ingredients, especially the malt the bill. Czech, the Moravian, the Czech uh, Pils malt, yeah. Would be nice to have a little the the real the same beer with that real the real malt in there. I like you know, and like English beers with with a floor malted barley. It's just it's such a difference than if you're using something, you know, an American version of a pills malt or something. It's it'll get you there, but it's uh, yeah, the real deal makes a big difference. But yeah, it was pleasantly brewed. That they did a great job with this beer and and just some fine tuning things we talked about. Maybe backing off the bitterness a touch, or you know, it might have been something to do with the whirlpool that we were talking about. But yeah. Good beer. 
Uh, what about the hops? I know that was a kind of a point of contention. Could um, they make those hops pop a little bit more? Maybe a little more in the aroma. Maybe a little more in the flavor. Not so sure about that. The bittering. I think we are we're having a few discussions about maybe a little less. Maybe they were a little bit harsh there, which might have been hop quality, or it might have been a mineral addition. Maybe a little too much uh, calcium causing them to pop out too much. Hard to say. Um, the magnitude of the bittering, I thought, was okay. Maybe could have used a touch more, but they were they were a little bit a little bit rough around the edge. Although all over, it was it was pretty well done beer. Actually, it's, it's sort of a series of little fine tunings needed to make this to be really standout beer. Yeah, I agree totally. I agree. Well, that's the point of the show. I, I, I hope, and I, I hope the guys got got that out of there. Um, and then Christine with her spiced American cream ale. That was pretty much unanimously just the spice, right? Just spice. Yeah, it's all about the spice. It was a pretty nice spice, but um, yeah. if there is, it was it wasn't what I would call a balanced spice beer. It was, <laughs> it was pretty much the, the a cream ale setting for a lot of cardamom, and it was yeah. a pleasant enough flavor and aroma. I like it, but it, it's it's not a balanced beer, really. I agree. Brian, Boom. I'm sure you agree, yeah, too. Knock, knock, who's there? Cardamom. <laughs> good, good stuff, yeah. Good, an interesting choice of spice to use with a beer like this. Um, you know, I, it just, and it, like she said, it has a nice ring to it. Yeah, I made a cardamom cream ale. It kind of does roll off the tongue real nicely. But um, uh, no no fermentation flaws, no kind of nastiness, right? It was all pretty pretty straight across the board. Pretty clean beer. Could use a little fine-tuning on the yeah. clarity, but other than that, it was, you know, it's very smooth and drinkable. Uh, from what I can detect of the base style under the under the spice there, yeah. Very nice, very nice. Yeah, excellent. All right, well, uh, what do you say we get out of here? All right. Okay. I'm sure we have other beers to judge. Anyway, <laughs> uh, this has been Dr. Homebrew. Uh, once again, thanks very much to our sponsor, Five Star Chemicals and Supplies. and get everything you need to improve your beer, clean everything, make everything really, really nice at 5starchemicals.com. Check them out. Also check out your local homebrew supply store because everybody has PBW and Star Sand and 5.2. And if they don't, you should really go to another homebrew shop uh, because they probably um, are still waiting on their shipment of extract. Anyway, this has been Dr. Homebrew. See you guys next time.